So go ahead and pull out your message notes. And I'm going to begin to talk about the word promise. See, more than 3,000 years ago, God made a promise to some people in Egypt. And I believe that God is continuing to make those promises here today. And that's what I want to talk about. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through you, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. I believe that promises are doing two things here. First, they're going to help you participate in the divine nature. See, many of us are comfortable. We're living a natural life. But God has called us to live a supernatural life. Secondly, he says to escape the corruption in the world. Well, in order to escape that corruption, you need a weapon. And that weapon God has actually given us is a sword. It is the Bible. But in order to use that weapon, you have to know it. So before we talk about promises, let's look to the definition of what a promise actually means. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. It's an offer with a guaranteed result. It's like God is putting a carrot in front of us. Okay, we're here existing in life. There's a carrot in front of us. It's called a promise. So this promise has a guaranteed result for our future, but it's up to us to chase after it. Many of us look to the carrot and just ignore it. But it's actually a promise that God has for you. It is, it implies something's going to happen in the future. Now, chances are, when I say the word promise, you're like, mm, all I think is those broken promises, right? Anybody else feel that way? You know, you think of your friends, well, let's go and do that. And then they break the promise, they don't show up. Or you think of a mom and dad, I'm going to be at that baseball game, I'm going to be at that soccer game, I'll be at that recital. And then they don't show up. So when we refer to the word promise, we think of immediately a broken promise. But little do we know, even in marriage vows, it's a sacred promise. What do the vows end with? I will. And if we look at God's promises, he actually always fulfills his promises. See, God led our family to this church. He told me that I was going to be in ministry years ago. And he said that one day I would be preaching to this congregation. And it was that promise that I held to that I had no idea where I was going to go, what I was going to do. But that was a promise that God had given me. But I didn't know the timing. And God fulfilled that promise because God is faithful. Joshua 21.45 says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. You know why the Israelites were living? They didn't think the promises were going to come to pass. They were futuristic and they didn't believe that they were ever going to come to pass. Joshua, right there in Joshua, it records that every single promise came to pass. It was from God. So let's look at the New Testament. What does it say? Hebrews 6, 17 through 18 in the message says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, which was a rock solid guarantee. God cannot break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable, meaning it's eternal and unconditional. 
are the promises of God. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. See, if you're happy right where you are and you don't want to be bugged and you just want to sit there, let me be honest, this isn't the church for you because we are running. And we are running after the promises of God. Whatever he speaks to us, we are running after him. And I pray that that is everybody in this room. Because God has spoken promises to you and he will continue to speak promises to his people. Again, we are pursuing all that God has for us. His promise to us is an unbreakable lifeline to the Father. So if you're taking notes, note number one is here, we need to know his promises. We've got to know them. We have to start with knowing what his promises are. You can't claim it if you don't know it. Can I get an amen? amen. So we've got to know it if we want to claim it. First Chronicles 17, 19 says, O Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, this is David was worshiping because you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. See, God has made known his promises, and where do we find his promises? In the, in the Bible. He has given us our promises. So if you want to experience God, what do you need to do? Read your Bible. I know this is rocket science. But you've got to get in the Word of God. You know, many of us maybe have gone into, we started wording, reading the Word of God, and maybe we set ourselves up for a reading the Bible year plan, Right? But what some of us begin to do is we just read it to read it. We're checking it off, and at the end of the year, oh, I feel good. I read the whole Bible. But that's not what it's about. It's about experiencing God. And, and if you're following the, the year Bible and you're reading some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, maybe it's a psalm and a proverb, what I encourage you to do is grab one thought, one nugget, one word, one promise that God speaks to you. I'll be honest with you. When I read the Bible, I don't memorize the whole thing. I know you guys think I probably do, but... But I don't. I'm looking for one promise. I'm looking for one nugget. And whatever that is, I'm going to write it down. God's speaking to me. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write down what that promise is. And that's where we need to be because there is a promise for every situation. In fact, I would go to say that there is a verse for every situation you're in. In fact, if you're battling something today, let me encourage you. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is greater than you is the one who is greater in the world. Luke 10, 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Can I get an amen? amen. Romans eight thirty seven says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe some of you are struggling with finances. Let me give you a promise. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Maybe some of you are dealing with fear. Psalms 27.1, The Lord is my light and my stronghold. Whom shall I fear? Dealing with sickness. Psalms 103.3, Bless the Lord who has healed all my diseases. If you're struggling with confidence, 2 Corinthians 3.6, He has made me competent. You are competent in Christ Jesus. If you're struggling with safety, Psalms 121.8, the Lord will bless my coming and going. Guys, there are promises for you. If you're struggling with the dentist, it says crown him with many crowns. 
All right, good. Y'all paying attention. <clears throat> it does say open wide thy mouth. You might be able to use that. <clears throat> See, when life doesn't make sense, what do we do? We have to hold on to the promises of God. You know, my wife and I, we've lost two children. Literally had a son, lost a son, had a son, and we believe we lost another son. So we've had two miscarriages. And the first miscarriage, if any of you guys have gone through that, it is really hard. You begin to say, God, why me? But we looked at that situation and said, God, you are faithful. You are my God. You say to give you glory in everything that we walk through. And so we held on to that promise. And because of holding on to that promise, we have begun to be able to minister to other people because we held on to that promise. So you have to look at your situation and go and hold on to a promise. So not only do we need to know our promise, his promise, we need to understand his promise. You know, some of you get frustrated and you're like, well, it's false advertisement. He's given me a promise before. It's false advertisement. It's not come to pass. It's probably because you didn't understand it. See, many times we have a promise and we don't understand what that promise is. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man, <clears throat> so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried through? No, he has. Every time. There's two parts of that verse. First, we need to understand that his promises are eternal. They are unconditional for us today. What I'm telling you is you cannot sin enough. You cannot do enough drugs to separate yourself from the promise of God. You can't do it. But there's also a second part. His promises are conditional, meaning that every promise has a premise. You need to be walking in a right relationship with God. See, many of us are not walking in that right relationship with God. It's like your kids. Anybody have kids in here? It's like your kids. You have all of these things. You have money to give them. You have food to provide. But once your kids leave your house, they're on their own because a promise has a premise, right? So although God is the one who fulfills his promise, we also have responsibilities in the process. There's three responsibilities that you have. First is you must be living obedient to God. And you're like, well, I've got a promise from God. I've been drinking last week. I've been sleeping with so-and-so. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And you're not obedient to God. Well, you've got to get your life obedient to God. Right? Sin, cannot hinder our rela- Sin can hinder our relationship with God. Second, we must ask in faith. And the faith that I'm talking about is leaping for something you can't even see. For we know that our God heals diseases. Our God raises the dead. Can I get an amen? amen? He does that. He has promised those things. In fact, my wife was 16 and she went on her first mission trip and she was getting rid of her own junk in her life, right? Right? So she was getting rid of her own junk in her life when she was 16 years old, but God used her because she had faith. A lady came up to her, had a baby in her arms and said, can you help me? The baby was dead. Couldn't feel a pulse. But my wife had enough faith and believed that a God does heal. A God does raise people from the dead. And she prayed over that baby in the, in the name of Jesus, and that baby came to life. She raised him right from the dead. That is happening today. That promise is today. It's not of the past. It's today. <clears throat> Third, he does it his way. You may just need to wait. 
Many of us have our own agenda. Oh, God, it's about that time, God. I'm waiting. Well, you just need to wait a little bit longer. Because God is going to be with you through the process, but he's going to fulfill the promise that's on your life. And he's going to teach us something through that process. Amen? How many have been taught a few things through a process, right? See, some think, well, I'll just sit here. I'm fine. I'll go to heaven stupid and dumb. I'm fine. Just send me home, Jesus. But no. We as Christians, we're going to learn something while we are here on earth. He's got something for us. Remember, he is slow. He is patient. And my God never fails. Never, ever, ever fails. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, So for no matter how many promises God has made, they are a yes in Christ. No matter how many, they are a yes. Amen? And because of that, so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. Amen? See, we talked about knowing his promise, understanding his promise. But get this. Stop for a minute. Get this. This six-week series is all about this last part. We need to pursue his promise. In fact, we are always on the pursuit. We should always be, as believers, on the pursuit of the promises of God. And that's what this four cups is about, is being on the pursuit of that promise. They're not going to automatically come. You can't just sit there and, whoo! You have to pursue them, chase after them. David talks about testing them. In Psalm 119, 140, he says, Your promise have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. I would venture to say that some of you have never even tested his promise. You tuck it in there, keep it nice and close. You need to chase after that promise, test it. Especially if he's giving you faith for something you can't see, he's probably waiting for you to test it. He goes on to say in 119.148, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. We are to meditate on those promises. Forefront of your mind every day. Meditating on them. We are constantly finding, thinking about, chasing after God's promises. We have to chase them down. And this is our spiritual journey. We are on a spiritual journey. We are pursuing the promises of God. Now, if you look at the etymology of the word promise, it was first used in the 15th century. You got pro and you got mice. Put them together, you got promise. You guys are so smart. Okay. It literally means to send forth. Promise means to send forth. So I'd venture to say that it makes a guarantee about your future. Your promise makes a guarantee about your future. In fact, I have, some, I have a guarantee for you this morning. I have a guarantee that if you do these things, you will have a better life. Anybody want a better life? I want a better life. So here's your antidote to a better life. You are to know and understand and pursue the promises of God, and I guarantee you will have a better life. We are all on this journey together. And I want to look at the core of these four promises. We've understood the need for the promises. Now let's look at the core promises. These are the four cups, if you will. This is what God first made these to the Israelites. Before Jesus, before Passover, he made this all the way back 
into Exodus. When God was speaking to Moses. He says in Exodus 6, 6 through 7, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now as we know, they're in Egypt, they get out of Egypt, but how many know sometimes we've got to get Egypt out of us, even though we've already left it. So he's getting it out of them. Then he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. There are four promises within this, four cups, if you will. And next week we're going to study the actual Passover and begin to unpack that. But these, the Jewish people would refer to as the four I wills. They are still in God's heart today, these four I wills. The first one is, I will bring you out. See, God's first desire is to get you out of bondage. How many want to live in bondage? No. So God is going to get you out of bondage. In order to do that, God promises you salvation. He promised that to you. In order to acquire that salvation, we have to Know God. You know, but most people think, you know, especially us, we live in the great state of Texas. We think everybody's saved, right? Everybody going to church. But little do we know your church attendance, it doesn't save you. That check mark you checked on a card one day, it don't save you. Those things will not save you. The only thing that will save you is your relationship with Jesus. That's what will save you. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not going to be saved. Because salvation is not being religious, going to church. No, it's not. It's when you give Jesus control. And when you repent, which means turn away, when you repent from the things of this past, you get your life back and aligned to what God has for you. So you say, Jeremy, how do I know if I drank from this first cup? How do I even know? Well, let's look at Titus 3, 3 through 8. It says, it wasn't so long that we ourselves were stupid. you got to love the message. Stupid and stubborn. (laughs) Dupes of sin. Ordered every which way by our glands, which literally means my body wants it, I got it. I'm going to get it. That's what that means. We're going around with a chip on our shoulder, bitter. Hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, Stepped in. He saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people. Washed from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. See our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him. It's given us back our lives. And there's more life to come. An eternity of life. And we can count on this. Amen. Now, years ago when I was a soft freshman, between my freshman and sophomore year in high school, I did drugs. I went out and drank. I did crazy stuff. I did all those things. But then God got a hold of my life, and I gave my life to him, and I got rid of everything. I said, no more. That stuff won't fill you no more. That's what I'm talking about. 
is living in a relationship with Jesus where you push everything, you repent, push everything away, and you live for him. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, I hate to tell you this, but understand this. If you do not have a relationship with God, you are not saved. It is your relationship with God that saves you. And many of you are thinking, well, I need to have that relationship today. And I'll get to that later, and I'll give you an opportunity to respond. But it is our relationship with Jesus. But again, this starts the process. The salvation experience starts the process. That's the first cup. The second cup, which I think 80 to 90% of you in this room are probably in the second cup, he says, I will free you. Okay, so when you get saved, your spirit man is made perfect. But your natural man needs some work. Can I get an amen? Needs a little bit of work. So like, it's just like a child. My son, Caden, he's almost two years old, and he is a child. Doesn't know how to talk yet. He's walking and running around, doesn't even know how to talk. But I have to nurture him. I have to grow. We have to teach. We have to, you're going to see growth in him, but it's going to be over a process because he's got a lot of growing up to do. And allowing God to work in you is where many of you guys are at in this room. And God promises you deliverance. Meaning that you can find freedom through deliverance. Now when I say deliverance, many of you guys think of that horror movie. Someone's strapped up to a bed and there's a priest in there with a cross and throwing water. And you're trying to get the demon out, right? Is that what we think of deliverance? But deliverance isn't just for people with demons. It's for anyone who is struggling with their sin nature, still with their old life. Christians are still in this boat. You need to be delivered. You may love God, but would you get to that sin nature? You may participate. You need to be delivered. That's for us here today. That's the second cup. And I think Paul puts it best when he's wrestling with it in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. He says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. So he's a slave to God's law, but he says, then in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. How many can attest to that? Some of us were there. But he says, the promise here, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life, has set me free from the law of sin and death. And that's where we need to participate in, is that freedom. See, deliverance is different from salvation. Let me enlighten you. It is different than salvation. Salvation takes care of your eternity. But deliverance determines your quality of life here on this earth. Let me put it to you this way. Here's a great example. Salvation is like that instant rice. You know that stuff come in a bag, you put it in a microwave, and you got it real quick, about five minutes, you're good. That's salvation. It's real quick. But deliverance, now that's a process. That's like fried rice. You got to take that through the process. But really, it's like Mexican rice. Now, I heard the process of Laura's Mexican rice. She got like 20 stages before it come out right. And if it doesn't come out right, she got to throw it away and start over. You all can relate to that Mexican rice. That's deliverance. It's a process. You want to get that fine Mexican rice. Some of you need this promise from God. A life of freedom. Now the third cup, the promise, 
is I will redeem you. Can I get an amen? Now, redeem means you're going to put something back to its original intent. It may have been lost, beaten up, cut up, chipped, broken, but you're going to put it back to its original intent. You're going to be redeemed. Now, God promises each and every one of you restoration. That is where you ultimately discover God. You are restored because you have discovered him. This is where the Christian life gets real exciting. But unfortunately, too many people never get there because you're perpetually stuck in the second promise. You're always focused on me and getting you delivered. And you got to be delivered again and again and again. But we need to be redeemed. We need to be restored back to our original intent. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 says, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Amen? Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had his eye on you. He had designs on us for glorious living. See, part of the overall purpose, he says, is working out in everything and everyone. He is working in us. And some of us need that this morning. We need to find out what life is all about. See, God has a plan for your life, for your life, for your life, and it is to make a difference in this world. Not to be stagnant doing the same thing, but to be making a difference in this world. In fact, if you're in this room and you don't know what your plan is or you haven't discovered what your purpose is here on life, we want to partner with you. This church wants to come alongside you and help you find, help you discover your purpose. That's why we have growth track. It's not just some class that we have at 11 a.m. every Sunday. It's a class for you to find out what God's plan is for your life, to discover it, and then to apply it. Anybody sick of being stagnant in here? Yes. But fourthly, the fourth cup, this is where God wants us to be. This is where God wants you to be. This is where God wants me to be. And to be honest, it's the most intriguing. He says, I will take you as my own people. Now, if you read that too fast, you're going to miss it. But he doesn't say, I will take you as a person. He says, I will take you as my own people. See, the final pro promise of God is to put you on a team. You are destined to be a part of a team. God wants you to be a part of a team. He wants you to be a part of a city, of a church, of one vision, grouped together. God wants you to be a part of a team. You'll never know how great you're going to be unless you're a part of a team. And many of you need to join a team. So there's an offer. I have an offer on the table. God has an offer on the table to get you out of bondage. And that is that God promises each and every one in this room to be fulfilled. So if you are not fulfilled, you are not getting everything that God has for your life. And fulfillment is literally making a difference in this world through Jesus Christ. John 10.10 says... The thief, comes, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have, it, have life and have it to 
the full. That's his promise. Hold that down. Write that down. That is God's promise for your life. But we have to know it. We've got to understand it. And we've got to pursue the promise of God. See, each of us in this room, we're on a spiritual journey. We're in one of those cups. And yeah, we've got to work on some things. I got you. I've got to work on some things too. But we're in a cup and we need to move to the next cup. We've got to figure out what's going on and we've got to get to the next cup. Because God don't want us in survival mode. We don't want to be stagnant, just coming to church, being like religious folk. We actually want to pursue the promises of God. Amen? <clears throat> we must continue to pursue all that God has for your life. And this series, see if you can come out. This series is going to get you going. But again, you're only going to be fulfilled if you begin to pursue the promises of God. So I have an offer for you guys today. I think there's four groups of people out here. I've got an offer for you. First, I think there's a group of people that don't know how in the world you got here. And you're thinking, when can we go to lunch? You lost. I get it. Then there's another group of people that probably have drifted away. You know God. You've experienced God before, but you've drifted away. You've started to focus all about me and fulfilling me. And you need to come back home. And then there's probably some religious people that are serving or maybe they're doing things and they're reading the Bible, but you are empty. You don't feel fulfilled. And I think there's a fourth group of people that you know Jesus and you're ready for eternity. So this morning I want to focus on the first two people. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. For those that have simply drifted away, that know God, that have love him, but have drifted away, I want to pray for you guys. I want to take a moment and pray for you guys. Go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. God, I pray for each and every person that has drifted away. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to step out of the aisle, but I just want to pray, God, Holy Spirit, you know where they're at. You know right where they're at, Jesus. God, I pray for them right now, God. I pray that they would come back to you, that they would align themselves in the right relationship with you, Jesus that they would continue to surrender their life and say, Jesus, it's your way, God. It's your way, Jesus. I want nothing but you. I don't want anything this world has to offer. I want nothing but you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have a story to share of how God has been working in your life, please send us an email at info at ilovethechurch.tv. We invite you to check out the church's Facebook page and don't forget to like us. You can also follow the church on Twitter at twitter.com slash thechurchforme. And if you are in the Rosenberg area, we invite you to be our guest this Sunday morning. Finally, if you would like to make a donation to the church, you can give online at www.ilovethechurch.tv. We invite you to listen again next week. Until then, have a blessed week.